0: Specific. We both know this to be correct, do we not? I am bound by her wishes. I can tell you nothing more than she wishes to divulge. If she wants to contact you, it will be through me and only through me. By the same token, if you need to consult her, then I am to be your conduit. My what? That's some fancy legal term. He shook his head and pursed his lips. The greasy roll stayed exactly where it was. When he spoke, he sounded disappointed, like he was talking to a child in a schoolroom who couldn't do a simple sum. I am your means of communication, your go-between. I am not at liberty to discuss the issue further. Now, the paper, if you please. I leaned back in the chair and folded my arms. And what if I don't sign it? (sighs) This is most tiresome. You are not a child anymore, Catherine. I noted he used the name she'd given me. People depend on you now. You have responsibilities. As I explained so very carefully that first day. That was nearly three weeks ago. When me and Luca came out of Lady Ginger's empty room at the palace and went downstairs, Marcus Telferman, face long and grey as an old man's nightshirt, had been waiting in the hallway, just as she'd written. I caught the smallest twitch of his lips as he took me in. There was a pile of boxes at his feet and a sheaf of papers under his arm. He nodded, but he didn't say a word as he held out a page covered in handwritten lines, packed so close together the sheet looked black. I noted there was a space at the bottom for my signature. What will you do? Luca repeated the question he'd asked upstairs when I read my grandmother's letter. I stared at the paper in the lawyer's hand and ran her message through my mind. "'Telferman knows my wishes and will be ready to act for you "'should you decide to accept my terms. "'The document of transfer must be signed within the day "'or this offer will be rescinded.' The paper in front of me was the document of transfer. If I signed, the palace and everything, everything of my grandmother's would become mine. Of an instant, the hallway went dark, The room blurred to a shadow except that narrow white space at the foot of the page. Just for a moment back then, I thought of running to the door and out into the light. Now I stared out of the beetle's grimy window. The sunshine showed up the cloudy smears on the panes. He lived in a grand house. Lady Ginger must have paid him well. But he didn't go much on cleaning so far as I could tell. Four storeys high it was, every room filled with books and papers, statues, bits of stones. I couldn't for the life of me think why you'd want to display a lump of old brown rock on your mantle. And creatures, most of them dead. There was a fox in a glass case in front of the window giving me the eye. Over the street, a ragged woman with a baby on her hip stopped to passer by. Mumping him for pennies, I supposed. I watched her spit at his back after he shook his head and moved on. Was that how they all felt about me, I wondered? All the men and women in paradise who looked to me for their bread and bacon. The people who worked for me now. The ones who knew it least ways. Did they spit at my back when I left a room? The woman pulled her shawl around the baby and pushed on. She limped badly. God knows what would become of them both eventually. For most of them on the streets, it was hard enough just feeding yourself without bumping a child about, too. Perhaps I could find her a place in one of my establishments. At least she and the kid would have a roof over their heads. My establishments. I caught myself thinking it and shuddered. See, it wasn't just the music halls that Lady Ginger ran. No, her world ran deeper than me and Luca had ever imagined, and we'd imagined quite a lot. The Gordy, the Comet and the Carnival were what you might call...